Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in a series called Baggage, and really what it is, it's been talking about unpacking um, really things in our lives that we may have, that we carry, that we may not know that we carry, maybe we do know that we carry, that hinder us from really being the people that we desire to be. And we get our text for the series all month long, or actually all last few months we've been talking about it. It's therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. We see that in Hebrews chapter 12. And this really, the context of this is it says, let us strip off every weight. Let us lay aside every weight, the baggage that so easily slows us down and especially the sin that trips us up. And let us lay this aside so that we can run the race that God has set before us. And uh, we've been talking about all different types of baggage. Uh, I've had a lot of people tell me that this has been one of their favorite series. Um, I'm glad you think so. And so I hope the Lord's been speaking to you through it. I know he's been speaking to me and challenging me with today. I want to talk to you another, about another baggage that I believe is important for us to talk about and evaluate and unpack, and that is the baggage of addiction, the baggage of addiction. Now, when we hear addiction, we immediately go to, well, that's not me. Praise God, I don't have this baggage. I've had the last 12 baggages, but today, whoo! I'm free. I don't need this baggage. Okay, now we can sit back. You look at your spouse, you give them a wink, like, not me. Come on, somebody. And I want to talk to you today because obviously when we think of a baggage, we imme- I mean, of addiction, we immediately think of the, the, the big ones. We think, of, we think of drugs and we think of alcohol and we think of uh, pornography and we think of the big, big, the gambling uh, addictions. We think of these large ones. But I would like to challenge you with the thought of this is I believe addiction is really this thought. If you you can't say no to it, you're probably addicted to it. Or I'll go a step further. If you can't say, if you say, I say can't say no to it. If you can't really put it down or if you can't go without it, you're probably addicted to it. We can be addicted to all types of things. Actually, scientifically, you can look it up. There are all different things that we can be addicted to as humans. You can be addicted to things like TV, We can be addicted to our phones. Come on, somebody, we talked about that already a little bit, so we're not going there again. But we can be addicted to social media, and we can be addicted to scrolling on social media. We can be addicted to things like shopping, and you can be addicted scientifically, ladies, to beauty products. I feel like you need to have more beauty products. You can be addicted to to sugar. Come on, somebody, we're not going there today. No, we're not. We're not doing that. We'll wait till we got a fast for that one. Come on, somebody. We can be addicted to sugar and we can be addicted to, to, to sodas or we can be addicted to tanning and we can be addicted to exercise and we can be addicted to work. We can be addicted to unhealthy relationships. There's all different things in life we can be addicted to. And so I'm not gonna talk to you so much today about addictions as much as I wanna talk to you about the symptoms of addiction. 
to really help you evaluate is there a baggage of addiction in my life to one of these things that where I can say, I can't go without this. If I can't go without this, I'm probably addicted to it. this. And so maybe this is God saying, I need to look at this or evaluate this to remove this in my life. And so I wanna read a scripture to you in Romans chapter seven and verse 18. It says, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that it is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Come on, somebody. But if I don't, if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. But it, but if well, I'm all way off. I lost my my place. I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Verse 22, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is in war with my mind. The power that makes me a slave addicted to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're reading this scripture in the text and uh, Paul is writing and he's saying, listen, I, I have this concept in this flesh, this human nature, this carnality in me that's just driving me and it's this sin nature and I wanna do what's right but my human nature and my sinful nature drives me to do what is wrong. I don't wanna do what's wrong but my sinful nature causes me to do it anyway and I have this war going on inside of me. And he says, oh, what a miserable life. What a miserable life that it is where the, the flesh and the spirit are constantly at war in ourselves because we're slaves to sin. And he says, oh, how in the world can we ever get free from something like this? And he says, thank God, I've found the answer. And the answer is not more friends. The answer is not another relationship. The answer is not more money. The answer is nothing more and nothing other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so this is what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk to you a little bit about the symptoms of addiction, of these symptoms that can make us slaves to this concept of sin and this concept of this, this back and forth. And in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. He says, do you not love the world or anything in it. He says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And I wanna talk to you today, again, just a couple things on the symptoms of addiction. I think the first thing, the first symptom that we need to evaluate is the symptom of the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, this compulsions and these cravings of the world. The compulsions and the cravings of this world. We have this human nature in us that desires to, as we see these things that are not of God or we experience these things that are not of God, our, our compulsions and our cravings drive us to desire these things to get us to the place where we'll choose these things over God. It's a symptom of addiction. And well, here's what happens. Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we can allow the compulsions or the create, create cravings to cause us to not even think about the decisions or the consequences of what we're doing. 
And here's what happens. Then the compulsions and the cravings actually become the thing that leads us and directs us in our lives. Ashley and I, many of you know, we have a young child. Her name's Winter, and she's at the stage where she likes to put everything in her mouth. For those that have had children in your, in your life, you know at some point your child is going to put everything they see in their mouth. I don't know why it goes in the mouth. Literally yesterday we were at Chipotle, we're eating, and the Chipotle's got these really shiny, nice silver tables. Anybody know what I'm talking about with the silver tables? Well, we're eating our Chipotle, we're giving her some food, and she's eating the burritos, and she's just loving life. And all of a sudden her eyes, I see it, her eyes latch on to the silver table. And immediately, without even thinking about it, she saw the silver table. She says, and put her whole mouth and her tongue just before we could even grab it all over the table. I got the burrito in my mouth. Ashley, what are we going to do? I I got the water. I'm like praying over Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy water. Pour it in her mouth. Do something. She's going to have it. I'm freaking out to say the least. But I know I'm being funny, but seriously, this is oftentimes how we are as humans. Because of ignorance or immaturity, we'll just drive ourselves to something based on what we see or what we feel, and it causes us to do something that we never intended or never should do. It's these compulsions and these cravings. We see it. It says the eye, the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh. It's our feelings. We feel it, and so, whoo, we gotta do it. For some reason, the concept in our culture is just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Let me tell you, if your heart's leading you to do it, you just do it. It's you, boo. You do you, boo, boo. It's your truth. Follow your feelings. And the scripture says right here, actually, it says for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, don't do. It's this driving of our feelings. See, our feelings were never meant to be a compass for our lives. The feelings were never supposed to, oh, I feel this way. Oh, so I'm gonna direct my life towards my feelings feelings were supposed to be and are supposed to be emotions are supposed to be a scale for our lives where we can get on the scale and then now we can evaluate what needs to be shifted in our lives not a direction of a compass oh I feel this way Ooh, and we just go towards it and that's what compulsions and cravings do but in fact our feelings are supposed to be where we get on the scale and we say okay why am I emotionally feeling this driven towards this thing or towards this person, or towards this situation. Why is it that I'm, I feel like every time I'm, I'm, I'm alone or by myself, I gotta just get on my phone, I just gotta scroll through the social medias. See, feelings were supposed to drive us to get on the scale, to evaluate the balance of our life, not direct us to say, oh, I'm bored, I feel like I need to get on my phone, I just get on my phone. Oh, I'm bored, I feel like I need to unwind, so I just go grab some, some, some drinks. It's not supposed to be this concept of where it, it, it's a compass for us, but a scale for us. And then the lust of the eyes. Whoo, we all know about this one. The lust of the eyes, it's this concept of this, if I see it, I gotta have it. If I see it, oh, I see that shiny new boat, and oh, I see so-and-so's got that shiny new car, and my car's kinda nice, but you know what? So-and-so's car's even nicer. So I gotta drive myself now because of what I see. I gotta drive my focus to grab after something, and we can become addicted with that. Oh, I see, I see that situation or that thing on the internet, and I can't get myself away from, the, from clicking the buttons or clicking the videos, and next thing you know, it's what I see, and it's driving me. These compulsions and these cravings are driving us. When again, 
This is a symptom of addiction in our lives. And so we must be people that evaluate and say, is this something that is godly that's driving me towards God? Or is this a fleshly desire that's driving me towards living like the world? It's interesting because in the concept in the world and the culture that we live in, the packaging and the, and the, and the programming is, so, is packaged so well that it doesn't even look bad or evil. Oh, it's just, it's just, oh, it's just a TV show. Well, everybody watches this show. Well, Pastor Jordan, everybody has this streaming platform. Everybody, it's totally, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. I just kind of close my eyes. <laughs> but here's the thing. The world has packaged it so well that now it's caused us to justify compromise. And this is why God wants us to evaluate again. It's a, to look at it and say, okay, is this something that my compulsions or my cravings, are they driving me or I'm allowing myself to say, no, I'm evaluating that and that's not of the Lord, that's not of the world, that's not of the Lord, excuse me, that's of the world and so I'm gonna stay away from those things. It's a symptom of addiction. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19, it says they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than they are before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command that they were given to live holy. They're, they proved the truth of the proverb, a dog returns to its vomit. And another says, I wash pigs I washed pigs, I, I washed pig, excuse me, returns to the mud. Right here, Peter is writing and he says, when you escape the wickedness of the world, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you get tangled up and enslaved again, you're, you are, you're, you're worse off than you were before. It's this concept of, again, talking about, we're talking about addictions and symptoms of them, it's this compulsions and this cravings, but there's also the cycles in our lives. The cycle of addiction is this, I, I'm down, I, I'm in it, I'm struggling with it, I'm, I'm, I'm caught up in, in this situation, whatever it may be, and then I, God speaks to me, I get convicted, and so then I step out of it, I ask God to forgive me, I start walking in freedom, and I'm feeling good again. I'm feeling up, I'm feeling like I got it, I'm feeling like God's got me, I feel free, I'm speaking freedom over my life, and then all of a sudden, two days, three days, six days, two months, however long, I fall back into it, and now I'm back into the situation, and now not only am I back in the situation, but now I'm back down, and I feel like now I'm not free, and now I feel like God doesn't have me, and now I feel like this is a part of who I am, and I'm, it's this up and down mood swings, and it's up and down spiritually. It's these cycles. It's going around the mountain. And it's interesting because oftentimes when we read this, we read this text and we say, oh man, so that, like you're saying like it's better like not to know Jesus than like to know Jesus and then to fall back into sin. No. What he's saying by this is this is what I believe he's saying. It's this concept of it's this. Is every time, the longer we go around the mountain, and every time we go around the cycle, and every time we go around the mountain, more and more and more and more we do it, the less and less motivated we get to live in freedom. So it's worse for us because now I'm less motivated to try to get free because now in my brain, I'm starting to believe the lie that I'm trapped in this. 
So it's not worse like, oh, God's like, you're on your own. Oh, it's been six times. See you later. No, it's now I've been around the mountain and cycle six times. Now I'm less motivated to try to do it because now I've been defeated and I've been beat up and I've been deflated so many times that now I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And so Peter's saying it's worse because now there's not this motivation to say, I believe God can free me. I believe he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that he's, yeah, he's the same God as a healer, but with my, with my situation with pornography over here, uh, he, yeah, he's the same God for them, but maybe this is just something I gotta work through in my life. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? That's us believing the lie of the cycle that causes us to get to the place where we think, now it just is what it is. It's who, God, it's who we are. It's part of our human nature. I just, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna happen. No, we serve the same God who freed people in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He frees us today. And so this is why we must be encouraged and strengthened and challenged and know, yes, just because we've been around the cycle a few times or a bunch of times or even our whole lives does not mean that your day of freedom is not today. We serve a God who delivers us, who frees us. He's not just savior. He's deliverer. We oftentimes stop at God forgive me when no, it's also God free me and let me walk in freedom in my life. We see the cycles in our lives and what happens is we, you know, body, soul, spirit, they're so connected and what can happen is when we're walking through these cycles our whole lives, whether it, if it's a spiritual cycle, even if no one knows about it, our whole lives can be down. And physically, we feel down. Mentally, we feel down. Emotionally, feel, we feel down. Why? Because this, this one area of our life is, life is walking around in cycles. And you may be progressing in your business, and you may be progressing and you, physically with working out and exercising, and you're doing all the things you think are right, but yet you're still down. We don't know why. It's because in one area of our life, we're in this cycle, and it's dragging all the rest of our life down. Does that make sense and this is what it does it creates these cycles in our lives and it gets us to the place where we feel like it's what we're, who we are or what we have to do proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 it says he who covers his sins will not disappear will not prosper excuse me but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy he who covers his sins will not prosper but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy a symptom of, of, a symptom of addictions, compulsions, and cravings, cycles, and then also there's covering, covering that happens. He says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. It's this hiding. It's this covering. It's this, um, no one's, I gotta wait till no one's looking, or it's this, I'm gonna wait till my spouse goes to sleep, or I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna do it, I'm on my way home to work, or I'm gonna, uh, it's this covering of, I gotta make sure no one else sees it. And what happens is this, I believe, if you're covering something, it's a very huge red flag indicator for you that something's not right spiritually in your life. If I have to hide it, it's probably not good for me. If you have to hide the donuts, well, even if you don't hide them, it's still not good for you, but praise God, they taste good. Come on, somebody. But here's what it is. If, you, if we have to hide it, more than likely, there's, some, there's something not right. If I have to hide something from Ashley, more than likely, something's not right in my soul. 
If something's not right in yourself, if there's something that you're covering, hiding, you start to lie about it, you start to create rumor, I'm not rumors, uh, stories to kind of cover yourself, whatever it is, it's showing us symptoms of there's something going on spiritually that we need to work on. You know, when you have people over at your house, most of the time at least, when you have people over at your house, every, everybody's got to clean. Like, you spend a whole day cleaning for somebody to come over for an hour and a half. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know they're coming over for dinner. Everything better be clean. You know what I'm saying? You go in and you scrub in the toilet, so they're not even going to be on that toilet, but you're going to scrub that toilet. Because let me tell you something. This house is about to be so clean. And here, if you're like us, Ashley and I, what we do is like, we clean everything you're going to see. And in the rooms, in the closets that nobody sees, just throw it in. We'll take care of it later. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you here. And so here's what people come in, they're like, wow, you would never even know you guys have a child. The house is so clean. I'm like, yeah, but if you only saw that closet, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> man, everything's so nice and pretty. I'm like, man, yeah, but if you saw that guest bedroom right now, don't go in the guest bedroom, stay away from that. Like, oh, which one's the bathroom? Not that door, not that door. <laughs> Ashley is going to kill me in the second service when she hears this. <laughs> I made myself laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I just laugh at myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, please, please, just anything but that door. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but here's the thing. Oftentimes, we, 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 we do that because we want people to feel comfortable in our home. We want people to come in and you do the same where you want them to feel comfortable, it's clean, they feel welcomed, they feel like accepted, it feels good in your home. And here's the thing, oftentimes we'll then transfer that same mindset spiritually. And what we'll do is we say, oh, we're getting in front of everybody else, clean everything, look, make, make it look nice. No, don't talk about those things. No, 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 hide it, hide it, hide, 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 hide. anything. Look, just make everything look good. Put the mask on, feel right, look right, talk right, lift the hands right, do whatever you gotta do to look good. Why? Because we don't want them to see the mess. Because if they see the mess, they won't be comfortable with who I am as a person. And then if they won't be comfortable as who I am a person, then they won't like me and they, then I won't be loved and then people won't care about me. And here's what happens. Oftentimes, if we really evaluate our lives, the people that we feel most comfortable with are not the ones we're hiding things from, but the very ones that know us best. So see, it's a lie of the enemy. It's a cycle and it's a covering that happens that causes us to think, okay, I gotta make everything look pretty because I want everybody to make sure that they know like I'm a good Christian, like everybody, when they come over, I'm gonna make sure the Bible's laid out nice in front of everybody so they know I read the Bible. I'm gonna open it to Psalms and I'm gonna highlight a Psalm so everybody knows that's the Psalm I've been reading today. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and this is what we do. And we get in front of our Christian friends and we get in front of our, our church friends and we get in front uh, and we, we put this mask and this covering with these nice clothes and we feel so good and we do what we need to do and no one knows about the mess. And here's what happens. Then we start to create this facade in ourselves where actually we start to believe this is what Christianity is. The true thing that God wants us to do is to say, this is who I am. I'm beat up, I'm broken, I'm far from perfect, and I got a lot of mess. 
but I want you to know Jesus is working on me. All of us in this room online, we all have a bunch of mess. There's no one with less mess and no one's mess is worse than someone else's mess. But the enemy can lie to us and cause us to never receive freedom because we're so caught up in hiding it that we, we, you spend more energy hiding it than we do fighting it. And it causes us to never walk in freedom in our lives. John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, when the spirit of the truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. It says he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. A symptom of addiction is also the, creates this concept of the lack of conviction. It says he will guide you into all truth. See, this is where this part of the process is where we start to believe the lie that this is who we are. We start to believe the lie that we'll never get free. We start to leave the lie, believe the lie, this is, I just gotta figure this thing out on my own. We start to believe the lie, this is just who I am, it's, it's me as a person, and it causes us to get to the place where we've given up control to that thing. And we say, we're not gonna fight it anymore, it is what it is. We'll do what we gotta do, it's just us. And this, it causes us to get, get to the place of where we tolerate the situation or the thing in our lives, and we say, it's just what we are. It's just who we are. And it's believing the lie. And here's what happens. It says the tr spirit of truth will come. He will guide you into all truth. This is where the lie becomes truth and the truth becomes lie. And so now because the lie has become truth in our lives, we just will live it. Because what we believe is true is what we will live. Whether it's right or wrong, whether it's truth or not truth, if we think it's truth, we will live it. And so this is where the lie, we've become so caught up in this situation, in this, this addiction, in this struggle, that the, lie, the mindset flips and now it's just, this is the truth. It's who I am. This is the truth. It's something I'm just gonna bear. It's my cross to bear. No, it's not. Your cross to bear is not being a slave to sin. Jesus came to free us from being slaves to sin. James chapter four and verse seven, very quickly. I've talked a lot about symptoms of, of addiction. I wanna give you a couple things that I see in this text on how we can walk out and live in freedom. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. I wanna give you just four quick things that I see in this scripture that will help us walk out and really live in freedom in our lives. Number one, it says, submit yourselves then to God. We have to, James chapter four, verse seven, submit yourselves then to God. We have to be willing to surrender it to God. The most cliche saying on the planet, and we've probably all heard it. People probably have it tattooed on their bodies in some places. It's let go and let, let go and let God. It's so cliche, but yet it's so true. If we don't first bring it to God, how can we ever expect to find freedom in our lives for this situation? And oftentimes we do, as humans, we say we can handle it. We say we can do it. We say we're strong enough. We say we can figure it out. We can put in the practical steps and all those things are great, but it has to first start with God. 
God, would you help me with this? God, would you remove this from my life? God, would you give me the strength and the courage to walk these things out? It's not just a one and done, God, I'm forgiven. God, free me, and then I walk out, and now I'm free. No, it's now, God, every day I want to surrender this to you. For some addictions, it's God, every minute I want to surrender this to you. It's as I walk through the process of surrender, of laying it down and letting it go and giving it to God, as I do that day in, day out, over my period of step in, step out, step in, step, I'm going to continue to step. Next thing you know, after a month, a year, two years, we look back and we thought we never could be free, but now God has allowed us to be free because we've walked through this daily submitting it to God in our lives. Daily surrendering it to God. I know I've told y'all before, when I hear the term submit, I don't think of like this pretty like, God, here it is. It's yours. No, when I think of submission, I always, or submit, I always think of UFC fighters, come on somebody, and they put these guys and these girls and these arm bars and these leg twists and all these different things that I don't know, but all I know is it's painful. It's not this easy thing to make somebody submit. And so oftentimes in our lives, we think it's just like this, okay, God, here it is, it's yours. No, it should be this fight to surrender that we wanna fight, God, we wanna lay this down. That means, God, I'm feeling this way. I have these compulsions and these cravings. God, I'm walking through this cycle, but God, I wanna today, I wanna surrender it to you. Why? Because even though I'm feeling this way, I know it's of the world, I know it's my flesh, and I know there's a greater life beyond this, and so God, I'm giving it to you today. It's this fight for our souls. It's a fight for our freedom. We would surrender it to him. All throughout, I believe this, all throughout the process of our lives, God, God waves red flags of warnings. Don't do this. Shouldn't go there. Shouldn't do that. And I believe that's the Holy Spirit. But all throughout the process, he's giving us these warning signs or these flags. And here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Am I ignoring the flags because of my own desires? If I'm ignoring the flags of my own desires, I'm on the road to destruction. Is this okay? I'm just being honest. I'm sorry. Love me anyway. James chapter four and verse seven. It says, submit yourselves to God and then, and, and then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. We have to surrender, but then also we have to use self-control. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's interesting because it doesn't say pray away the devil. Doesn't say spend four hours in the prayer closet and then the devil's gonna walk away. It says resist the devil. Meaning this, I have to use self-control to not do this to step away from this and walk away from whatever this situation is. And so it's important for us to say, I gotta have self-control. And I would challenge you with this. Whatever your situation may be, whether it's, it's too much TV or it's too much phone or it's, it's something deeper than that, like it is drugs or alcohol or pornography, whatever those things are, and all those things, I say too deep. I don't wanna make it sound like one's deeper than another. They're all deep, okay? Whatever addiction it is that is driving us and it's, it's causing us to do something or live away that wasting our time or wasting away our life, whatever it may be, I would challenge you to set up for self-control that you would set up tension between you and that thing. Okay, very practical. I'm gonna get very practical with you. What is it in your life that is causing you to, to react or respond? What are the triggers, if you will? 
that are creating the cravings and the compulsions. I would challenge you to create tension between those things, meaning this, okay? If it's TV, unplug your TV. <gasps> Do you know how much money I spent on that TV? I'm not saying never watch the TV. I'm saying unplug the TV. Why? Because just the nature of you having to go plug the TV back in and wait the two minutes for the TV to reload. Y'all know what I'm saying. If you got a really fast one, 30 seconds, come on somebody. Whatever it is, just the tension between that will make you think before you react. If it's your computer, then I would challenge you, put your computer where everybody sees your computer. Put your laptop, don't bring your laptop in your bedroom by yourself. Bring your laptop somewhere where everyone is. And now just the thought of having to go get my laptop, for those that have roommates in the room, college students, you see your roommate go having a laptop and go in the room, you're like, ah, 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 ah. No, 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 no. Where are you going? Come out here. Just the tension of having to go get the laptop can help you have self-control from having to jump into the compulsion. If it's your phone, Maybe put the tension of, I'm not going to put my charger in my room. <gasps> that means you got to have your phone outside of your room. Now when I go to sleep, I'm not just aimlessly, aimlessly, I don't know if that's the word. I'm not just, just forever just scrolling for hours, wasting my time seeing what Betty's doing on the weekends. <laughs> you haven't seen Betty in six years and you're like, I can't believe Betty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, it doesn't matter, okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's, I know I'm being funny, but I would challenge you to create the tension. Here's what I would ask you. I would ask you not what is the addiction, but I would ask you what is the tension that you have created between your addiction? Because the tension's gonna help you have self-control. So what's the tension? Just unplug it. Ash and I, our TV in our room's unplugged. And so here's the deal. Like for us just to have to just aimlessly watch TV, we have to go plug, I have to go behind the dresser, I have to plug the TV in, and then I'm like, okay, let's lay down and watch TV. That's fine. But if it's just we're wasting hours and hours and hours watching Netflix, okay, that means I know, okay, I'm not gonna sit, go unplug, because I know we just got four hours to waste. Let's not just watch TV and just mindlessly think, no, let's, be, let's create tensions for our self-control because we know we can be using this time for a better experience than just watching Netflix. Thank you, thank you, thank you. One person, praise God. But I'll tell you this, I'll, I'll tell you this, create the tensions, why? Because God changes our hearts, but we change our actions. We oftentimes wait for God to change our actions. He will never change our actions. It's your decisions, it's free will. He loves us so much that he's allowing us to choose. He will change our hearts, but then it's up to us to now shift our actions. And here's what happens. If we don't shift our actions, over time of us not shifting our actions, our actions go back to where our heart is. And then next thing you know, our heart's back in the same action. Make sense? That's important for us to understand that. So I would, I would challenge you to create tensions in your, li in your life for those things that maybe you cause you to struggle in your life. James chapter four and verse eight, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. See, oftentimes we read this scripture and we think of this deep moment with God where we're able to come close to him and then we have this depth with God like never before. And that may be true. You can come close to God and he can come close to you. But in this text of this scripture, this is what's interesting. They're writing, the writer here, and this is James, he's writing Here's what's interesting. He says, he, he talks about submitting yourself to God, 
He talks about resisting the devil, and then immediately after resist the devil, he says, come close to God. It's this process, okay? I want to show it to you. It's surrendering. Then it's, I'm using self-control, but then I'm going to take a moment. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to, I'm going to use self-control. Now I'm going to step away. See, oftentimes what we try to do is we try to step away from the struggle, but we're not stepping towards something. And so he says, come near to God. Why? Because he knows you've been facing this with the devil's been challenging you and struggling with, causing you to struggle with. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to resist that, but now I want you to shift and I want you to take a step away from that and come near to God. See, this is what I know about all of our experiences, okay? If you, or if you decide in your heart that God, you want God to free you from that situation, you ask for repentance, you submit it to God, you surrender it to him, that's great. That's awesome. That's the first step. And then you say, I want to use self-control. That's great. That's awesome. Use self-control. But if you stay in the same environments you have always been in, you will constantly deal with the same situation. The question we have to ask ourselves is what are the environments that we have created, whether it's friendships, whether it's relationships, whatever it is, what are the environments we've created? Because if it's the environments I stay in, here's what's gonna happen. I'm never gonna get free from it. I have to take a step towards God and away from those environments to allow myself to continue to grow and be free from those situations. Does that make sense? Make sense? Lastly, as I close today, James chapter four and verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. We have to surrender, we have to use self-control, we have to step away, but then also it says to humble yourselves. I believe we, this is us saying we have to say something. Humble yourselves. The most humbling thing is to go to someone and say, I need help. The most humbling thing on this planet, the most vulnerable position we could ever be in is in a place where we need help. I would challenge you to say something. We oftentimes get this feeling in our hearts and our lives that we can handle it and we can take care of it and we can do it. We've been struggling with it for five years, but we can take care of it. I'm telling you, I can do it. I can do it. I can, I, 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 I. The Bible says, humble yourselves. And I love this. I love this. Because it doesn't just say humble yourselves and then leave. It stops. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord. And it says, and he will lift you up. Almost as if James knew we've been struggling with this situation and we're in it. And when we humble ourselves, God actually lifts us up out of that situation. But it's only if we humble ourselves. And we're like, well, it says humble yourselves before the Lord. Exactly. It starts with humbling yourself before God and say, I need you. It's humbling yourself before God and saying, God, I need you. I need you in this situation. But then... It's also humbling ourselves in front of others, exposing it and bringing it to the light. The greatest way to remove darkness in our lives is expose it to the light. Darkness cannot stand in the light. How do I know that? It's very practical. Turn all the lights off, then turn the lights on. There's no more darkness. It's the same thing spiritually. It's the same thing spiritual. You would be shocked. Hear me, hear me, I'm closing. You would be shocked at the very struggles that we have struggled with for years. You would be shocked at how quickly things begin to change when you're willing to expose it and bring it to the light. And I would tell you this, don't expose it to someone that's dealing with the same thing. Don't go to someone in the ditch when you're in the ditch and be like, hey, how do we get out of this ditch? Neither one of you are gonna get out of it, you're both in the ditch. You need somebody that's out of the ditch. 
that's saying, hey, I've walked through that, or hey, I, I'm, I'm walking in freedom in that situation. So then you can say, hey, I'm in this ditch. I need somebody to help me pull me out of this, this ditch. Too often what we do is we get comfortable with the people that are doing the same things, and so then it's like, yeah, man, I'm struggling. Oh, yeah, me too. Okay, well, let's pray for one another. Next thing you know, hey, man, I'm struggling. Yeah, me too. Well, let's pray for one another. Next thing you know, hey, man, I'm struggling. Yeah, me too. And it's a cycle. Now we got friends in the cycle. You know what I'm saying? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And say, you know what? Well, what, what, what if they, what if they think, what if they think something? What if they think that I'm not a good Christian? If they think that, then they're not a good Christian. Because in the end, we all know we're all broken, we're all struggling. We're all hurting and we're all walking through things and we all have things in the world that are trying to pull us. And so here's what we do. We say, God, we want to live in freedom. What does that look like? I'm going to surrender it to you. I'm going to make sure that I'm I'm using self-control. I'm going to step towards new environments, but also I'm going to stop. I'm going to say, I got to say something to somebody. I'm going to humble myself. Oh, uh, I'm older than them. I'm going to humble myself. Oh, uh, I've been a Christian longer than them. I'm going to humble myself. Oh, uh, like, uh, like you don't understand. Like, I'm so much further along in life than them. Humble yourself. Why? Because the Bible says when we do this, something supernatural happens. It doesn't say we will be lifted up. It says, and then he will lift us up. And we'll find ourselves living and walking in a freedom that we never thought possible. All because we were willing to humble ourselves and say something. I challenge you in this room and online as we close today. I want to challenge you. Listen, I know you may not be walking through some serious addiction in your life that you may be walking through. That's totally fine. I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy for you. But I do know this. We all have a mess somewhere. And so the question I would ask you is, where is the mess? And have you allowed that mess just to become a part of your life and then believe the lie that says, it's just who I am or it's just what we do or it's just the way my marriage will always be and it's just the way that I've always treated people or whatever it may be. And if we allowed ourselves to lie, believe the lie so much so that now we're walking this out and now we're living with this thing that we're carrying and it's baggage that God never intended for us to carry. And this is why he says, let us strip off every weight because it so easily hinders us from running the race that he has set before us. The question I would ask you today is where's the mess? Where is God targeting in your heart to challenge you to say, there's some baggage I need to remove. I believe this, if we humble ourselves, I believe we'll see God move in a way in our lives that we never thought possible. And it's all because he's a God that loves us so much, that desires for us to live in a life of freedom with him. Amen. Can we pray today?